Hey there, friends. I hope you are up for a genuine faith lift today. It's December 14th, and this is another day for us to share the joy of knowing the liberating truth of the gospel, the good news of who God is, and the merciful provision of the perfect redemptive work of His Son. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, and I am your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and the producing director of New Life Fine Arts. You can get details and order tickets at our website, newlifefinearts.org. Today in our Bible reading tour, we will be reading about God's work in Assyria in the book of Jonah in the Old Testament and traveling to the third heaven in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation in the New Testament. The book of Jonah gives us an account of the greatest spiritual turnaround recorded in the Bible. It appears that more people are provoked to repentance by Jonah's message to the Ninevites than those by the Apostle Peter's preaching at Pentecost. It truly is God's story, with many illustrations of God's grace. Jonah was hardly a worthy servant. He balked at the call of God. He was disobedient and half-hearted, but God was determined to use him for his purpose, and throughout the book we read of God's activity. God controls the storm. He controls the great fish that swallowed Jonah up and spit him out so that he would fulfill his commission to preach repentance, faith in the one true God, and his provision for merciful forgiveness. The preacher Stuart Olyot described chapter 1 as Jonah on his back and proposes that it should cause us to ask, do we know what God wants us to do? In chapter 2, he describes Jonah as being on his knees, which causes us to ask, do we pray? And chapter 3 describes Jonah on his feet, provoking us with the question, what do we know about repentance? And finally, chapter 4, Jonah is on his seat, once again shirking his calling to represent God's heart, causing us to ask, are we willing to let God teach us? So let's get started reading the book of Jonah, beginning with chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Chapter 1, Jonah flees the presence of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise! Call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Jonah is thrown into the sea. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, 
I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid, and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. A great fish swallows Jonah. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2. Jonah's Prayer Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord, out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pray regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Chapter 3. Jonah Goes to Nineveh Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The people of Nineveh repent. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? 
God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Chapter 4 Jonah's Anger and the Lord's Compassion But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah, so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant, for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament, the book of Jonah. Let's step back and reflect upon what we have just read. Seven times we read, words to the effect, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Chapter 1, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 10, chapter 3, verses 1 and 3, chapter 4, verses 4, 9, and 10. Jonah, son of Amittai, was told to preach against the city of Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria. He was to be the first apostle to the Gentiles. The idea of the people of Nineveh repenting hardly seemed possible to Jonah because their wickedness was so great. But Jonah also knew that God was gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 and chapter 4 verse 2. The Assyrians were his enemies, and he did not want to see them forgiven. They were Gentiles and considered unworthy of God's mercies. For these reasons, the commissioned prophet Jonah went AWOL, that is, absent without leave, and instead of obeying his supreme commander and going to preach to Nineveh, he headed for the nearest harbor, that is Joppa, and booked a cruise heading for Tarshish 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. According to 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, Jonah was from Gath-Hefer, a Galilean town in Zebulun, just three or four miles from Nazareth. He prophesied in the reign of Jeroboam II from 793 to 753 B.C. Jesus affirms the historicity of Jonah's ministry and this account in Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, and Luke chapter 11, verse 32. 
Jonah ran away from God's commission, but he could not escape from God. While on board the ship headed for Tarshish, the Lord, the God of heaven, who made land and the sea, the God whom Jonah professed to worship and serve, was churning the sea with a storm. There are similarities to the sailors' distress in the middle of the storm and that of the disciples of Jesus, when the wind and the waves caused them to cry out for fear of perishing while he was asleep in the boat. Jonah was convicted of his rebellion and knew that somehow he, the sinner, needed to be put away to calm the storm of God's wrath. All other attempts to escape the storm were failing. When the sailors obeyed the words of the prophet and threw him overboard, the raging sea grew calm. The result inspired these sailors to greatly fear Yahweh and offer sacrifices and make vows to Him in chapter 1, verse 17. Notice that the phrase is repeated, the Lord appointed, or the Lord prepared in the King James Version, the Lord provided in the New International Version, indicating that God is in charge of the plan of salvation. He has prepared deliverance through His means. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. The Lord called Jonah, called him to preach, provided the storm, and now he provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. This was God's appointed means of deliverance. For three days and nights, Jonah was inside the fish, swallowed up and reckoned as dead. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed a wonderful prayer. His words affirm God's gracious offer of salvation to those who recognize that they have been rightfully banished from his sight due to their sin, in chapter 2, verse 4, and verses 6 through 9. Notice again the sovereignty of the Lord evident in the account. The Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. Jesus used the account of Jonah being three days and three nights in the belly of the fish as a picture of his being delivered to death to satisfy God's wrath against sin. He is swallowed up by death for three days and three nights and then resurrected. The Lord recommissions Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. How grateful we are that God gives second chances. In Jonah chapter 3 verse 1. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. Jonah chapter 3 verse 2. This time Jonah's response is different. He has had a personal experience of the cross. God had appointed the means of his getting a new start. He sees that he was as good as dead, buried, and resurrected in the sight of God, and this was done all by the hand of God. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Jonah chapter 3 verse 3. Jonah warns the city that unless they repent in forty days, their city would be destroyed. The people believe God and repent. And so does the king of Nineveh. They clothe themselves with sackcloth and cry out to God with fasting and prayer, asking God for mercy. This is the greatest missionary success story in the Bible. Nowhere else do we have a record of the conversion of so many on foreign soil in a single day. These were Gentiles who repented and put their faith in the God of Israel whom Jonah preached. God relents from bringing calamity to the Ninevites. You would have thought that this would have caused the missionary to rejoice. However, Jonah is displeased and angry. He is depressed and suicidal. The Assyrians were Israel's enemies, and yet when they heard the word of God, they repented, while the people of Israel had a history of rejecting the words of their own prophets. 
The Lord counsels Jonah, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah sits outside the city and waits, secretly hoping that things will not go well for the Assyrians, that God will bring destruction on Nineveh rather than show mercy. The Lord relents from destroying Nineveh. He provides relief for them and also for Jonah, who is sweltering in the heat and feeling resentment that God has shown kindness to his enemies. Jonah is suicidal. He confesses his death wish to God. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Jonah chapter 4 verse 3. The Lord appoints a vine to grow up and give Jonah shade from the scorching sun. In Jonah chapter 4 verse 6. Jonah loves his vine and enjoys this timely provision. But the next day, God appoints a worm to chew the vine, killing it and robbing Jonah of its shade. Once again, Jonah wants to die. God counsels Jonah. Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? He asked why Jonah is more concerned for the vine that withers than the souls of Ninevites that would perish eternally. Was Jonah deserving of this favor from God? Did he deserve to be spared of death for his rebellion against his Maker? Did he deserve to be delivered from the scorching heat of the sun? The psalmist would sing, The Lord is the shade on my right hand, the sun shall not smite me by day. Psalm 121, verses 5 and 6. Did Jonah deserve the mercy of God's appointed provisions for his salvation? Jonah thought he knew God, yet he did not know God well enough. He underestimated God's holiness and failed to recognize sin as the serious transgression that it is. He failed to recognize his own dependence upon God's mercy. He failed to grieve over his sinful rebellion the way God grieves over it. He failed to weep over his own indifference to God's mercies. He failed to rejoice over sinners who repent the way God rejoices. What about you? Let's grow in getting to know God better. Now we move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour. We travel to the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. The Apostle John is being given a vision of the throne of God in heaven. The Scroll and the Lamb Chapter 5 Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing, as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. 
and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might for ever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, from the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. As we behold the throne of God, we meet the only one who is worthy to open the book, the scroll whose contents is written both within and on the back, and sealed with seven seals. The scroll puts into effect the divine program to ultimately put an end to evil and bring in the kingdom of God. The Apostle John senses the despair in heaven over the realization that there is no one qualified to serve as God's agent of perfect judgment throughout the entire span of heaven and earth. There is no one who can advance his purpose and rightly vindicate his justice and his mercy. No one is worthy to open the book or look into it. John feels the enormity of this challenge and begins to weep loudly. It is evident that no man or angel can put God's program into action. One of the elders says to John, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. Revelation chapter 5, verse 5. First, John hears the elder speak of the Lion of Judah. He looks for the lion, but instead John sees a lamb, standing, as though he had been slain with seven horns and seven eyes, which John recognizes as signifying the sevenfold Spirit of God sent out into all the earth. In verse 6, And when the one who is both the lion and the lamb takes the scroll from the right hand of the one who sits on the throne, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fall down before him in worship and adoration, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, signifying the prayers of the saints. They sing this new song of praise to the Lamb, saying, You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Chapter 5, verse 9. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. Multitudes, thousands of thousands, join in a chorus of praise, singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12. And to him who sits upon the throne be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. And the four living creatures say, Amen and the elders fall down and worship. Jesus, God's Holy Son, qualified to be our Savior by His holy life and His willing substitutionary sacrifice to put away our sin. But do we recognize the enormity of His role in the universe as the judge and reconciler of all things? Let's ponder that thought as we move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, 
Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. When brothers dwell in unity, a song of ascents of David. Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life for evermore. This is the song of the anointed head and body of Christ. This is the song that celebrates the adoption of the people of God into the community of oneness that is in Christ Jesus. This is the song of the people of God who dwell in Christ, knowing Him as their Lord, their life, their salvation, all by the Spirit of the Lord. His work and His resurrection life is the foundation of their unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Verse 1. The anointing upon the head, that is Christ, falls upon what is rooted in the head, the beard, and flows to the very robes that cover the body. On the merits of the finished work of Christ, our High Priest, the law of God has been fulfilled, and all the blessings of the covenant have been won for us, particularly life forevermore. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verses 26 and 27. Many seek the face of a ruler, but it is from the Lord that a man gets justice. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, but one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. This proverb distinguishes the human being's estimation of justice as infinitely inferior to God's estimation of justice. We should seek justice in the fear of God. We must also recognize that the wicked will have no real conception of true justice or respect for it. Now let's pray in the light of what we have just read. Merciful God and Savior, we celebrate your mercy. Thank you for your plan of salvation. You have appointed a way for our sin to be forgiven. You have removed death's sting and swallowed up the grave in victory. We thank you for every provision of your grace, the special grace of our redemption through Jesus paying our ransom, and the common grace of you providing our daily bread and our needed shade and safety. For you have given us in Christ Jesus all that we need. In him we have received your commanded blessing of life forevermore. We join with the symphonic praises of heaven to sing the song with new appreciation, Worthy is the Lamb. May your name be honored this day in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, there is so much in today's readings for us to meditate on further. And tomorrow we will start on the 33rd book of the Old Testament, the book of Micah, and continue to get a glimpse of things to come in the book of Revelation. So I hope you will be joining with us. Please get in the rhythm of regular Bible reading. The One Year Bible Tour Guide is designed to help you do that. You can subscribe to the One Year Bible Tour Guide on YouTube and podcast servers such as Podbean, Amazon Music, Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and similar podcast outlets. Also, if you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at podcast at newlife.org. Let's keep in mind the reality of the worthiness of the one who purchased our release from the hold of sin and death. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ 
be with us all. Shalom.